we are taking a pause in our normal sermon series to look at an important piece of doctrine. That Jesus, our great high priest, has, he has come and he sacrificed himself for salvation. We see that because Jesus is our great high priest, that we can come before the Lord in prayer with boldness and confidence because of the work of our Savior. With this in mind, please join me as we read together from God's holy, inerrant, inspired, and authoritative word from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. This is the word of the Lord. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but the one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, please help us to understand your word this morning, that we may see who you are, what you have done, and what you desire us to do, so that we may know you and grow in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever experienced a situation where you have made someone so mad that they didn't even want to speak to you anymore? And even if you want to speak to them, you must pass your words through someone else. We see this all the time, from the playground to movies. Someone needing an intermediary, a go-between, a mediator, to go before the person that we have wronged and to speak on our behalf. The situation we have this morning is something we have for all of us. For when Adam and Eve broke God's law in the garden and sin entered into the world, everything changed. Prior to eating the forbidden fruit, we could speak directly to God. As we see in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they spoke to God in the cool of the day. Yet, because of our sin, we cannot be in the presence of the Father. For He is holy, and He casts out all sin. Therefore, we needed a go-between, a mediator, to speak to the Father on our behalf. And that is what the Father did. Out of love, He sent Jesus, the Son, to be the mediator, that go-between, between God and man, to intercept before Him on our behalf. To talk to Him. For us, we still could not. Everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who confesses Him as Lord, this is good news, all who have been saved from their sin, they have Jesus as their mediator. For even when we are saved from sin, we still need our mediator. For we still have sin in us. We still are being slowly sanctified, slowly being changed. 
having our sinful desires slowly removed from us so that we desire the things of God rather than the things of man. That we desire His perfect law. Therefore, until the day that we are fully, perfectly sanctified, which will not happen this side of heaven, we need Jesus to be our mediator between us and the Father until we are with Him in glory. This is the way that God lovingly created for His people. For His people to communicate with Him. Yet we, as sinful humanity, decided to add extra rules not given by God into the mix. As I said at the beginning of the service, and as we heard a few times already today, today is Reformation Sunday. A day when we specifically highlight that the Bible is the foundation of our faith and not philosophy, tradition, or reason. That is only by faith alone that we are saved through Christ alone, by grace alone, as we see in Scripture alone, for all the glory is to be given to God alone. One of the reasons for this Reformation was that the Catholic Church was practicing a heretical doctrine. They taught that you could pray to the Pope to marry the mother of Jesus and to long-dead and well-respected saints like Augustine or St. Patrick. So that they could, so that they, those other people, instead of Jesus, could speak to the Heavenly Father on our behalf. It was taught that these sinful yet well thought of people could be a good or even greater mediator than Jesus. And that they would maybe get a quicker or more favorable answer from God the Father. This idea that we need someone else besides Jesus to go before the Father on our behalf is not only ridiculous, but it's almost laughable. For basically it suggests that Jesus, the Son, God Himself, is not good enough, is not worthy enough, and is not able enough to be our mediator. And somehow, God's own creation is better than Jesus. This is a very low view of who God is. And one that was thankfully addressed head on in the Reformation. For we see it plainly in Scripture. For for that is what the Reformation sought to do. To go back to the Scriptures. That we do not need anyone else to intercede on our behalf. Or to beg Jesus to intercede on our behalf. If you have Jesus as your Savior... You have a mediator who never sleeps, who never slumbers, who says, I am with you always. And if you have unfettered, uninterrupted, and open access to the Father, for Jesus fits the exact qualifications for being a mediator, being perfectly holy as we see in God's Word. In our passage today, this is why we know this. We see that Jesus is not just a mediator, but He is the mediator. Or in other words, He is our great high priest. The office that God made to speak to Him. Perfect in every way, and everything needed for salvation and life and godliness. 
For in our passage today, we will see three aspects of Jesus as our great high priest. We see in his character. We see it in his compassion and in his giving of confidence to believers so that he can mediate between us and the Father. Let's first look at the character of our great high priest, which we see in verse 14. It says this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now that term high priest is not something that we only just see in the book of Hebrews or only just in the New Testament. We see it back in the beginning of God's Word in Genesis and Exodus. Now for time's sake, let's look only at just as we see it in the book of Exodus. Exodus 4, for instance, we see that God made Moses' brother Aaron the high priest. And later we see in the Pentateuch that this office would perpetually continue until Jesus. The key job of a high priest, as we see in the, in the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, was to once a year go out from the people into the temple, and after purifying themselves and giving sacrifices, they would go behind the curtain, the veil, into the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt. Here, the high priest would offer intercession on behalf of God's people, asking for their sin to be forgiven by the Father. These high priests, like Aaron and his sons and even Melchizedek, were good and respectable people. But they were only, as the Puritan Matthew Henry calls them, faint types and shadows of Christ, who was our great high priest. They were nothing compared to the glory, the splendor, the perfection of Jesus in this office. For they were fallible because they were sinful themselves. Only Jesus, as the Son of God, can be the needed high priest to satisfy the divine wrath of God, the punishment we all deserve as breakers of God's law. For as we see in verse 14, Christ once and for all passed into the heavens to take the government upon Himself. And He sent His Spirit to prepare a place for His people and to make in continual intercession for them. Or in more plain language, Jesus, after dying on the cross, rose again from the grave three days later, and then later ascended into heaven. And He now sits on the right hand of the Father, speaking to Him directly on your behalf. If you are a Christian, this is what Jesus has done and what He will continue to do for you. For that is what makes Jesus our great High Priest. His perfection perfection of the office of priest. Under the law, there were sacrifices from Adam's day until Christ came. These sacrifices were made on altars with the killing of unblemished lambs, goats, bulls, having their blood eaten up by fire for a burnt sin offering 
unto the Lord, so that all the people's sin would be satisfied for that time. Yet, this was only a temporary measure, a mere stopgap, if you will, for God's divine justice was never fully satisfied until Jesus, the spotless Lamb, the only perfect sacrifice, gave Himself as the sacrifice on the altar so that He could be both the performer of the sacrifice, the priest, and the actual sacrifice Himself. Doing what no one else could do before and no one else needs to do after. He satisfied in this one act the debt we owe. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Jesus being the sacrifice, by being the priest, He made peace between God and man. For this great divide, this war between God and man had been going on since the days of Adam. And the only way to end this war is to submit. To submit to the deserved punishment which Jesus did on the cross for His people. Facing the wrath of the Father on behalf of those who are a part of the family of God. Praise be to God. Praise be to God for the greatness of Jesus as our high priest. For He not only executed His office on the cross, but He continues to do so now in heaven for all who are saved. It is, I know I have said that before, but it bears repeating, for we need to understand this. We do not need to search long and hard for Him. He is the easiest Where's Waldo puzzle there is. It is obvious. And that's the point. For another part of Jesus' greatness is not only that He is easy to find, but He's personable. We see this at the beginning of verse 14 in the words, Since we have. If you are a follower of God, if you have been saved by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, by faith alone, in Christ alone, through grace alone, Jesus is your high priest. Your mediator. Sitting on the right hand of the Father so that you may communicate with Him by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus. You have this great benefit. You have this great opportunity to have a deep, ongoing, personal relationship with your Creator. The Creator, not just of you, but of all of the universe and everything in it. The King, the ruler of all. The One who has perfect power and might to keep you safe and tight and never let you go. This is the One that you are speaking to in prayer. This is the reason Jesus died on the cross for you. Use this personal relationship by praying to the Father at all times. And for all kinds of requests. As Ephesians 6.18 calls us to, to come before Him with everything. 
we are also able to come before him not just with requests but to praise his name to thank him for he is the one who saved us he saved us from eternal punishment from which there is no escape if you know jesus as your savior come before him now Pray to the Father by the Spirit through Jesus as your mediator and God will forgive you of your sin. If you do not know Jesus, you can come before Him now. No ifs, no ands, no buts. He died on the cross for sin once and for all so that you would have a full, free, clear salvation once and for all with no hidden print, no hidden clauses, And you will have Jesus as your high priest forever. Seek Him today. Do not wait. For not one second in the future is guaranteed to us. If you do know Jesus. If you do know Him, look to the end of verse 14. Verse 14 says, Let us hold fast our confession. This is an encouragement to Christians. Those who know Jesus as their Savior, who have Him as their High Priest. This verse tells us to persevere, to not give up, to hold fast and tight to the Word of God, to live according to His Word. As the Puritan pastor Dave Dixon brilliantly explained, the more danger we see in our lives, the more strongly we must hold to the truth. For in the midst of our wilderness, our wilderness walk in this world, we need encouragement and need to draw close to God. This passage is one of the most obvious reminders of this truth. Hold fast by persevering in the strength that God has given you to His Word for encouragement. For He has provided you all that you need for life and godliness. He has not left you alone. He has given you His Spirit to dwell in you. This wonderful gift. Even when everything seems bleak. Even when you are facing the dark night of the soul. When everything seems to be falling around you like Jonah In Jonah chapter 2, seek the Lord. Know that He is the Lord. The God of comfort. The God of love. The God who never changes. Who knows you. Who knows your needs, your problems, and every single thing about you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So go before Him in prayer. For He is there for you in good times. He is there for you in bad times. Through winter, summer, springtime and harvest. Do this all while knowing your great High Priest is permanently interceding before you on your behalf. Perfectly better and more precise than you could ever do yourself. Praise be to God for all the intricacies that He set up for us. The loving care He did so with us. 
for he knows you and he has great compassion for you. Which brings us to our next point. The exceedingly wonderful compassion of Jesus as our great high priest, which you see in verse 15. Verse 15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. One of the reasons Jesus is our great, our perfect high priest, is not only because He is the Son, but but because He came to earth as God incarnate. He came to earth being fully man and fully God. In this, God showed us compassion. Or in other words, to love us better than we deserve. For we are deserving of death and punishment. But out of love, out of love for us, for His people, for His creation, He showed us compassion. For we do not deserve a perfect Savior. Nor do we even deserve salvation. We deserve truly nothing positive. Yet we live in a society that is so entitled, thinking that we deserve everything. Everything is owed to us. We are deserving of one thing. We are deserving of hell and nothing less. Yet God, yet God showed compassion. The Father sent the Son to live a life according to the law, to be tempted to face all of the types of temptations we will face and to come out of it never sinning. Having perfect obedience to God's law, which we, as hard as we try, can never, ever do. No matter how hard we try. You may remember I said before that Jesus is personable. That He knows you. He cares for you. He knows your thoughts, your desires. Even ones that you've hidden from your friends and your family, your co-workers, everyone around you. And He knows the sins that you struggle with. And with all that in mind, out of love, He has compassion for you. Even when you are breaking His law. He has sympathy. For even though Jesus is so great, so far above us, He is very kind. And He tenderly cares for us. He comes beside us, before us, in front of us to take care of us. Just like Isaiah 42, verse 3 prophesied. A bruised reed He will not break. A smoldering wick He will not snuff out. That's compassion. That's sympathy. That's the personableness of Jesus. For that is what we are. We are bruised reeds. We are smoldering wicks. So brittle. So easily broken. Yet, because of His immense compassion for us, He shows us loving tenderness even in the days that we are most tempted, even the days that we are most downtrodden. 
That is love. On a side note, if you want a wonderful book about the compassion of Jesus, I encourage you to take a look at The Bruised Reed by Richard Sibbs, which to me personally has been a great source of comfort when I am weary and heavy laden. So yes, Jesus does have sympathy and compassion for us. But why? Why does He do this? What makes us desirable for Him to show sympathy to us? For we, we are radically depraved. Our hearts thinking constantly of our own desires and new and interesting ways to break God's law. Why would He show compassion on us? When we constantly seek the ways of the world and its pleasures, even though it's directly what we've, not, we've been commanded not to do. The reason is, we are His creation. Remember, Jesus took part in creation with all the persons of the Godhead in the beginning. Since we are His creation, He loves us. It's like when you create something, whether it's an art project, if you're a child, or even a child itself. Jesus desires us to be back in a good relationship with Him. Like a father with a wayward child. Yet, it's not just that Jesus has sympathy for us and says, alright, that's enough, I care for you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. For His sympathy, it's paired with action. As we see in James' epistle, our faith, our faith in Him is supposed to be accompanied by works. In the same vein, Jesus acts upon this sympathy by being tempted like we are tempted. For when He came to earth fully human as well as fully God, it's not like the ancient Greek myths of old with things like Hercules, part man and part God. Jesus what Jesus fully man as he came and fully God both 100%. For we see in this in the gospels for example in Matthew chapter 4 Jesus is tempted by Satan on the top of the temple and then on top of a mountain Satan offered Jesus all that he can see. Yet Jesus resisted his temptation and he cast Satan out of his presence. He was tempted just as we are tempted. Yet Jesus is without sin. Jesus succeeded in something that we could never do. Being perfect and sinless. Never giving into temptation. Never even breaking a letter of God's law. Never sinning. Always worshiping God perfectly in word and in deed in desire and thought. For how often do we break God's Word in any one of those things, even this morning? Since Jesus went through temptation spotless, He was able to be our unblemished sacrifice for sin. For His sinless life, meaning His perfect life, is what we are all called to do. For which we see back in the garden with Adam and Eve. But they failed to, content, to do so. And we fail as well. Yet Jesus, He gave His righteousness, His perfect record 
of sinless living, his perfect report card of this, as the substitution for our filthy, putrid rags of sin that we think are good works. He lived according to God's Word as an act of love for us. And also as an example of how we are to live. We must see it in this both parts. For as we see in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him, in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So what must we do with a great high priest? A mediator who is perfect, yet reach down into the filth to bring us to Him. The answer is, we must give thanks to God. I know we have not turned the calendar yet to November and thinking of Thanksgiving, although some of us have already started thinking about Christmas, as all the stores have been showing us that for months. But the idea of Thanksgiving, meaning to give thanks, must be always on our minds. For we have a reason to give thanks to God. The reason is, He sent Jesus for something we did not deserve. He sent Jesus as that act of love for all we deserve, eternal punishment in hell. His act of being the living sacrifice, the priest and the Lamb is the exact reason we must celebrate and give thanks in prayer. For we would not even be able to come before God in prayer if this gracious, wonderful act of mercy was not given. But how often do we give thanks to God for His goodness to us? How often do we come before the throne of grace thinking about God and His loving action and not just things that we want. So often, we rush through the opening of our prayers saying, God, thank God, let me have this. Let me do this. Instead of first humbling ourselves, thanking Him, adoring Him, praising His holy name. Remembering those specific acts that God has done both in our personal lives and in Scripture and in all of the time of history. All the things that God has done to help us understand, to put ourselves in the right mindset and to praise Him for the depth of His love. For once we start praying with thanksgiving in mind, it's hard to stop. Because you are constantly reminded of the next thing that God has done. Guess what? The grace that He shows and the confidence He bestows also shows us and reminds of the grace He has. And the confidence that He gives us through His sacrifice on the cross. Which brings us to our last point, which we see in verse 16, that Jesus, as our great High Priest, gives us confidence to go boldly before the throne of grace. Verse 16, it says this, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy 
and find grace and to help in time of need. Now, I, I personally have not always been very bold. But I remember a time very clearly when I was not bold at all. It was when I asked my wife on our first date. I was almost physically shaking. And I, as, as I do when I'm nervous, I ramble excessively. Thankfully, though, in the midst of that, in my non-boldness, my scaredness, she thankfully said yes. She desired to be in a relationship with me as I with her. In the end, though, because I knew her and because I knew that she cared for me, I should have had confidence. I should have had boldness. Yet all I could manage was a whimper. Similarly, the people of God in the Old Testament, they were terrified when they would approach the throne of God. For good reason. Like in Exodus 19, God came down with thunder and lightning. And He told the people to stay back from the mountain because of His power and His might. From then, the high priest would go into the temple. We see this in other parts of Scripture. Into the Holy of Holies. They would, <clears throat> they would always be fear, though, that they did not perform the, the ritual of purifying correctly. That they would be struck dead for not being worthy enough for being in the presence of God. Yet, when Jesus died, the veil, the curtain, it was torn in two. The one that separated us between, between God. And now we can enter into the presence of the Father by our mediator, our high priest, Jesus, without the help of an earthly person. No need for popes. No need for Mary. No need for well-respected Christians to go before God for us. All we need is Jesus alone. Now, to the Israelites' credit, a healthy dose of respect and a healthy dose of awe is not a bad thing to remember with the holiness of God. For He is our King. But no way should that make us, if we are followers of God, fearful to approach the throne of God. Because we can have confidence when we come before the throne of God in prayer. But while we ourselves did nothing to be holy, God has declared us holy. Because of the work of Jesus, acting as our great high priest, when the priests of the Old Testament went before the Lord, they had to rely on their own works to make them holy. Hoping beyond hope that they were good enough or else they would perish. Yet, if you are a Christian, you do not need to be fearful. You can be bold. For if you have Jesus as your advocate, your high priest, He is your protection. His righteousness is yours. And you can boldly go before Him in prayer now and forevermore. Praise be to God. For you do not need anything else. No extra works of merit so that you're made accessible to God. 
are acceptable to God. For these things they can do nothing for you. Nor can those other people that I mentioned before, for they are dead or they're just a normal person. But Jesus rose from the dead, defeating death, so that you can go with great confidence to your God, your King, with all your fears, all your failings, and seeking help, seeking care, seeking to guide you, seeking to forgive you, to change you, to pour His love upon you. Praise be to God for the confidence He gives out of love so that we can know and grow in our relationship with our Creator King. For it is at the throne of grace that we receive mercy when we ask for the forgiveness of our sin. For it is at the throne that we receive grace upon grace to help us in our time of need, which we all have. So go before the throne when you need Go before the throne at all times. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. Do not ponder, is this a good time? Can I do it some other time, some other place? Maybe I'm in the car. Should I stop the car? Should I leave my home? Should I go back home? We can go to God anywhere, at any time. Do not delay. Go before the Lord with confidence today. For you have Jesus as your great high priest, which we know him. And it is by His loving act of compassion that you have been given the ability to go boldly before the Lord. Praise be to God. Praise be to Jesus our High Priest, to the Father who sent Him, and to His Spirit who resides in His followers. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, we thank You for all that You have done. For the compassion that you have shown upon us by sending Jesus. For the sympathy that Jesus has for us and His act upon the cross for our sin. And Father, thank You for the confidence that we can have by Your Son, through Your Spirit, that we can go boldly before You. Father, thank You. This is all because of You. Because of Your love for us. Praise be to You, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For our song of